Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. is all that matters. My best is all that matters. Some of you are slipping into a very dangerous, dangerous, dangerous mindset. You're comparing yourselves to what others are doing in this program. And you see people are ahead of you. And you're thinking you're not doing enough. You're not enough. It's triggering you. You feel like you have to keep up. Folks, this, that's not what this is about at all. This is about you being your best, you getting to your best. If anything, one of the great things about looking at somebody else with an envious eye is that you couldn't be envious if you didn't have the ability to do it yourself. Think about that. It's so very important. But the idea that anybody would think that they're not doing enough or they're not enough or that they can't do it. Those are, um, those are shame patterns. That's what they are. When, when we get, when we get triggered by some idea that we're not enough, that is a shame pattern that is indicative of some kind of shame that was introduced into your life prior to the age of seven and it is spiraling based on how you are viewing yourself and you're comparing yourself to the world. Now I'm saying this so that, because for those of you that are having this problem, I want you to recognize it and like slap yourself the hell out of it. It is not, it is not productive at all. It is not gonna help you. It is gonna drag you down. The, the whole key here is to, okay, recognize that you're having that reaction. I'm not condemning the reaction or criticizing the reaction, but you have to recognize that that's where your challenge point is right now. That's what's coming up for you. So the idea is we wanna reverse it. We want to break that pattern and we want to see ourselves as being the person that we want to be and be grateful and happy for those that are winning for those that may be ahead of us. Like, that's a great thing. That's a great thing. So let's get into some work here, okay? I'm going to be going through uh, some more of God works through faith. How does one reverse negative polarity? If faith is moving in the wrong direction, moving with a negative faith in evil, the only thing that needs to be done is to replace it with faith in good. When we recognize something in ourselves, like jealousy, envy, uh, feeling low because of others winning, feeling like we're not enough, we're not keeping up, we are using our creative power in the wrong direction. We're using the law of polarity against ourselves. You have the, the ability at, in every moment to recognize how you're feeling and change that direction because you have the greatest power of all. That's the ability to choose. Now, I realize when you're being triggered that way, it's very emotional. 
You feel it in your body, you feel it in your mind. It can become very consuming, but you have to wake up. You have to become conscious of what you're doing because you're doing that pattern. It's an unconscious pattern, granted, but you're still doing it. And the idea is that we break that unconscious pattern, okay? He says, faith is not the subject to argument or experiment. A person either believes or disbelieves, and since that faith is fixed in his subconscious, it can only be altered by the person himself, by his own efforts, through the conscious mind. We analyze the character of our faith and we make our decision. By using our will, we give attention to that which is good. We give attention uh, we give attention to becomes a moving force until it becomes a moving force in our life. Our faith in good expands and grows with use. But you have to know how to do that. You have to like be in the consciousness of knowing how to do that. Remember, you're only conscious like less than 10% of the day. Your, your, your subconscious mind is, is running the show the rest of the time. So how do you break those patterns? Okay, so he goes into what does the subconscious mind play in changing the polarity of faith? The subconscious mind is the agent of changing the polarity of faith. First, you break up the negative habits of thought into which the subconscious mind has drifted by cleansing, by discipline, and by reversal. Now, he's telling you here how we do this. By cleansing, by discipline, and by reversal. When you were a kid, this wasn't the case. And you could go on a whole diatribe about how that's not fair or whatever. It is what it is. A child doesn't have anything in their subconscious mind to replace. So they're just taking the information in. There's no resistance, even. There's no resistance. But once those patterns are set, then there's resistance. So then it requires far more effort on an adult to replace that than it did on a child who only has to accept it. Someone once said, a child um, only has to make up their mind. An adult has to change it. He said, then you condition it to hold the positive idea so firmly that it becomes the ruling factor in your thoughts, your acts, and your words. What does that mean? Well, it means that we move it to a place where we don't have to think about it anymore. Now, I'd like you to really think about that for the next few days. The idea is that you move the new way of being into your habitual way of thinking so that you don't have to consciously think about it anymore. I think you've heard me say this before. I have people ask me all the time, like, what's my gratitude practice in the morning? I don't have one. I just am grateful. I used to have one, but I've moved it into my subconscious so much that I'm automatically grateful for everything. I don't have to think about how can I be grateful for this? I reconstructed my whole way of thinking around most of the stuff in my life. So, so you literally, I mean, that's the elite mind, right? That's why you see somebody like a Michael Jordan or a Kobe Bryant, they will miss a shot in a game 
And after the game or all the next day, they will just shoot that shot a thousand times over because they rewire it so it becomes automatic where they don't have to think about it in the middle of the game. Like, I'm never going to miss that shot again. But in order to never miss that shot again, I have to reconstruct that shot in the gym and do it so many times that it becomes hardwired in my nervous system. To go from being envious or jealous to being inspired and really turned on is by repetitively changing the way you think when you see someone that's doing better than you. When you see yourself not doing well and instead of beating yourself up, you see it as a challenge to do better. And if you can do that automatically, can you imagine how much faster you'll move into your success. It is so much more fun to have goals and visions for yourself where you're working on them every day and not trying to get yourself to do the work that you need to do to work on them. That's miserable. It's miserable. Then you condition it to hold the positive idea so firmly that it becomes the ruling factor in your thoughts, your acts, your words. This can be done in meditation and in the silence by impressing the idea with deep feeling upon the subconscious mind, not spasmodically, or, uh, but, con but consistently. You can accelerate the process by repeating the idea to yourself silently or aloud, even as you go about your daily tasks. My faith is in God, omnipotent, good, as the only presence and the only power in me and my affairs. As you do this, the old habit of the thought begins to drop away, and a new concept will take, it, take its place. But that only works if you do it consistently. But the day that you don't keep your commitment, you have to start over. Why? Why is that that you have to start over? Because you, you broke the pattern in which you're trying to create. You went back and reconditioned the old pattern. Now that's, I'm not criticizing someone for that. I'm just saying that's how you change your subconscious mind. You start over. Now, many of us have conditions when we were children, when we had to start over something that was, that was painful. It may be embarrassing. There may be shame attached to it. But we're coming from a place of this is good because I have the opportunity to do it. I actually have the opportunity to change it by doing that. What is it that's also going on inside? Well, the idea that there's this unconscious suggestion that you might not get there. Or when am I going to get there? Am I, is it ever going to happen for me? Can I really do it? All of those are just shame indicators. They're, 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 they're ex, uh, expressive internal and external realizations of a low self-esteem. There's no question that you can get there. Absolutely no question. But you have to be focused on the right thing. As you do this, the old habit, the thought will drop away and the new concept will take its place. Why is desire necessary to perfect the outward working of faith? Desire is the matrix or mold through which faith works. Desire is the matrix or mold through which faith works. Remember, it's the font center ego. It is the starting point of everything within ourselves. 
It is the pattern through which manifestations are made. Since the law of faith is impersonal and it works for bad as well as it does good, and since we are continuing, continuingly believing in something, faith must have a guide. Whatsoever things ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. When the desire is drawn out to a point which becomes clearly defined, it becomes a demand. Our claim must be specific. The thing that we want must be specific, including how we feel, not just what we want external. I want to feel confident. It must be specific. I am confident. Not I want to be confident. I am confident. I am righteous. I am consistent. Whatever habit you're, you're looking to transform, you affirm the positive as if it were. We must have a vivid mental picture of what we want, and here the imaginative faculty comes in. If you can imagine it, you can have it. Now, somebody mentioned in the Facebook group that they were having trouble seeing the image of what they want. What can you see yourself with? Maybe you can't see yourself with the big vision or the goal or the dream. Reduce it to the ridiculous. Can you see yourself holding a pencil in your mind? Can you see yourself with a cup of coffee? Can you see yourself with anything? And then start from there and build it up. It's a, it's a, it's a psychological muscle. Why must desire be freed before it can be fulfilled? Now, this is really good. You might ask, why the seed must be dropped into the ground before it can bring the increase? Seed cannot grow in your hand, on the shelf, or in a packet. Nor can your desire materialize if you hold it tightly to your thought. Christ told us to take no thought in order to give the desire a chance to go forth and bring it back its reward. Since the desire cannot be in two places at the same time, we must choose between fulfillment or frustration, between letting go or holding on. Christ says that the seed must be dropped in the ground and that the desire must be relinquished to God. Take no thought does not mean lapsing into a state of unconsciousness. Unconsciousness, It means taking away the anxiety and the fear which prevent the manifestation of your desire. When you release the desire and absolute forgetfulness, as Jesus did, the reward will come flowing into you in limitless measure. The way of fulfillment is not through thought, but through God. Let go and let God. So it is the presumptive understanding that when I desire something and I build that image and I claim it as mine, it's going to happen. I don't need to sit and worry about it. It's going to happen, period. I don't need to know how. I don't need to get stuck in the how. I don't need to get uh, embarrassed or feel shame because somebody else is going faster. I just need to focus on my process. All I need to do is be my best. Why is, why is imagination important in spiritual work? Imagination stimulates the faculties of the mind. It expands consciousness and causes the mind to act in a, along new lines. In metaphysics, we call it the great magnifier. If you're seeking to manifest a new home, you first decide what kind of home you want. You see it so clearly in your mind and in such detail that it is 
ever in the forefront of your consciousness, then you proceed to desire that home with all the passion and the power of your soul. So it's important, think about the, the descriptive words of a, a emotionality that he's bringing into it with all the passion of your soul. So now he's talking about taking the desire of the want, the sexual creative energy of our being, mixing those together with the expectation that it's already here. He says the next step is to imagine yourself living in the home, moving from room to room with the members of your family and looking after it. This is the pattern of your desire. And if you keep that pattern before your attention, you make it's you make it so complete and perfect that there will never be any occasion to change it. Imagination calls forth the great or the small according to the directions which you give it. Therefore, you must always seek the best or that which is in accord with your highest ideals. You should never make provision in your thought for compromise. If you have an ideal house in mind, stick to that ideal. Apply all the power of your desire in making your dream come true. Good, right? Okay, one more. What part does expectation play in faith? Expectation is faith in action. It is the feeling of fulfillment that comes from conviction. When you ask God for something, you must expect to receive what you ask. You must expect to receive what you ask. Expectation that comes from conviction does not run around beating the air in anxiety and suspense like a better at a racetrack. It is calm, tranquil, tranquil, and confident. James Allen told us the same thing when he talked about serenity. Knowing that the desire is always fulfilled, it is quite serene and undisturbed. The expectation that gets phenomenal results wastes no time in speculation or doubt, but accepts the promises of God as real and true. The more you expect, the harder your faith will work and the more it will accomplish. Expect the best and you'll get the best. Expect your faith to work and it will work. Expectation is not only a great stimulus to action, but it is also the push and the motive power behind faith. It causes your faith to move with greater rapidity and power toward the fulfillment of your desire. Have you decided what you want? Then change your mind with tremendous faith, interest, and expectation. Know that your faith will produce it. Let your feeling of expectation be full, deep, and continuous. And you're doing all of this while you're working not sitting on the couch, you're working. You're the cause and effect of itself. You're doing the things that are the cause of what you expect to, to receive as an effect. I want you to make it a great day. Remember, my best is all that matters. If you're really struggling with these shame spirals, get a hold of us immediately and we'll figure out how to get you out of them, okay? We're here with you. The idea is not that we get somewhere. The idea is that we master this. 
I've had to start over so many damn times with so many things. Still do. Still do. Here's the idea. When you get rid of the judgment, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. Because there's no anxiety around I'm not going to get there. I know I'm going to get there. And I don't have to compete with anybody else to do it. I'll get there when I get there. When I master it, I'll get there. But I will get there. All right, everybody. See you later. Be your best. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.